0: Welcome back to another episode of the DFS Today podcast and The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, October 27th, and I need to start out this episode by apologizing for there being no Tuesday podcast this week. Truth be told, if you've been following the pod, you know I just recently moved to San Diego. I am a New Yorker, but now I'm a Cali guy. And my mom came and visited me this week, and lo and behold, she travels with the biggest suitcase in the world, and I had totally planned on doing a pod on Tuesday. However, she took over my desk, she took over my workspace, her stuff was sprawled out everywhere. And I was like, This is so stressful to look at. I'm not gonna ask her to move all of her stuff so I could do a little work. I'm just gonna, you know, skip the pod for today and get back to it on Thursday when she leaves town. So now she is gone, and I am back on the mic. And therefore, today's episode, since I didn't get to do the spend up options on Tuesday, will be a full slate breakdown for the week eight DFS slate. I will do the spend ups. I will do the value options. I will do the line movement and all of the gambling trends. But truth be told, I also haven't totally been paying attention to all of the line movements this week. I haven't been checking every single day, three times a day like I normally do. So I have less volume of bets and a lower exposure week for myself. I still have been looking because it's kind of a hobby of mine, something I love to do. So I have been paying somewhat attention. I can still give some good advice, but as for putting my own, you know, big money on the line, I'm going to lower my own exposure this week simply because I haven't been in the weeds and in the depth of it like I normally am. Uh, before we get started, follow me on Twitter at m_fiddle14. And you guys know, on Tuesday's podcast, I normally do a gambling lesson. We've talked about the most important numbers for NFL betting. We've talked about the most important factors for capping NFL games. We've talked about CLV. We've talked about unit distribution and bankroll management. My question to you guys now, and this is what I would love for you guys to reach out to me on Twitter and tell me, what gambling lessons do you want me to do? What questions do you have in this space that I can address And kind of do a quick topic on. I have one in my kind of back of my mind that I plan on doing. So if I don't get any subscriptions this week, I'll do my own. But I would love to hear from you guys and tell me what gambling lessons, what stuff in this space are you a little bit confused by that I can break down, do some gambling math, provide all the data, and then give you guys a good summary of how to approach those situations in the sports book. Sound good? That's mfiddle14 on Twitter. Reach out to me and tell me what gambling lesson you want to hear on next Tuesday's podcast. Let's start off this one with a week seven recap. A little bit of a bad week. You guys thought I wasn't giving a Tuesday podcast because I ran into the woods and disappeared after going two and six and losing five units. But that's not what happened. My mom just came to town. I went six and two in terms of CLV, like having positive lines And being ahead of the market and having closing line value in my tickets, 6 and 2. In reality, and how those games played out on that day, 2 and 6. So, like, that kind of shit happens, and you just have to stick with it. It was a minus 5.1 unit loss, which absolutely stinks. But, like, whatever. You have to realize that the capping and the strategy was pinpoint correct. To have a plus CLV ticket in 75% of your bets will generate more wins than losses and a win rate above the 52.4% threshold needed to be profitable if you're betting standard minus 110 odds. So again, 6-2 in CLV, 2-6 in real life, minus 5.1 units, a stinker of a week, but we move on. In DFS, I played Fournette instead of Mixon. That did not work out well. I played Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow. That did not work out too well. My thought process was to fade the chalk of the Bengals against the Falcons because the Falcons are so run-heavy that it would limit the plays that the Bengals' offense runs. Well, one half into that game, Joe Burrow has 350 yards and four touchdowns. Like, geez, dude, are you actually Josh Allen? Chill out. At that point, you're not winning if you you don't have Burrow, considering he was the chalk choice and he crazy overperformed. So you would have wanted to stack Bengals. I pivoted away from the Bengals stack. And for the, those reasons, Week 7 is one to quickly forget about and move on. So let's do that. Let's move on to Week 8. Start this episode, the Thursday episode, like we normally do. Talking about the Thursday night football game that we have tonight. Bucks versus Ravens. The Ravens are going to Tampa to take on Tampa Tom and the struggling Buccaneers. This line opened in the opening look in the look ahead week, it was Bucks minus three and a half, or Bucks minus three in some places, and then the Bucks pooped the bed against the Panthers, and the line moved quickly to minus one. So when you see the line movement on the tracker, it says this line opened at three and a half and is now at one and a half. But the truth is, the three and a half was the week ahead look ahead number. Then after week seven, the line moved to minus one, and now it's been bet to minus 1.5. So if you step back and you're just looking at the week as a whole, you might think, or like the two weeks as a whole, you might think money's on the Ravens. But you need to realize that the line movement towards the Ravens was because of the results from week seven, and then the line movement back to the Bucks was because of betting trends and sharp movement and all that good stuff that I really value for week eight. I always say in gambling, you need to bet based on what you see in the sports book, not based on what you see on the court or on the field. My eyes do not break down football as well as other people's. That is not what I'm here trying to do. I'm not trying to speak football and see football better than these people who are generating the lines with algorithms and formulas and all these crazy statistics that I don't have access to. What I do is I sit back, I watch how the market moves and reacts, and how the market forecasts what's going to happen. So I am betting based on what I'm seeing in the market. And what I'm seeing in the market is a push towards the buck's in tonight's game, starting from Monday and going until today, going from 1 to 1.5, shows that money is on the Bucks. You also have the FanDuel splits. 71% of bets are on the Ravens, and 60% of the money is on the Ravens. I just said money is on the Bucks, Mike, what the hell are you talking about? But when you see that drastic difference in the splits, an 11% difference, against 71% of bets on the Ravens, 60% of the money on the Ravens, you know that the people who are betting the big bucks are betting on the big bucks, the Buccaneers. So that's what we call reverse line movement. We know where the big money is, and we know the line is moving against where the public money is, where the public bets are. That is called reverse line movement. It is my favorite thing to recognize in the sports books for a football game. It is a clear reason to back my guy, tb 12 Tonight, I guess he's not always my guy. Tonight, he's my guy because I got money on Tom. You guys know I also love home teams on short weeks. So riding Tampa Tom to bounce back this week makes a lot of sense with how I normally bet. I am making this a 1.5 unit bet because of the reverse line movement indicators working in our favor, being something that I love to see so much. The total for this game is at 45.5. That is clear no man's land. Between 44 and 48, which are key numbers. So I will not be touching it. A line at 45.5 does not give me a lot of information. Besides, the books don't really know where to price this game. So without them giving me an indicator, I don't have a bet. There is a slight trend towards the over. It went from 44.5 to 45 and a half. But in a Thursday night football spot that's been low scoring all season, I'm not going to go in and play an over. I do like seeing a little bit of overaction if I'm on the Bucks because, again, I talk about this all the time. There's correlated values between taking a favorite and playing the over. More scoring means more ability to cover a spread. So I like seeing some overaction knowing that I'm on the Bucks minus 1.5. That simply just makes me feel a little bit better about the side that I'm on. That is how I'm approaching Thursday Night Football. A bet on the Bucks minus 1.5 seeing the reverse line movement, backing Tampa Tom and the TB12 method to write the ship this week and let's move on. No bets on the total and let's move on to the Sunday slate. Go through the bets there and then we will do the DFS discussion. Broncos are a plus 3 at the Jaguars. Technically the Jaguars are the home team. However, this game is being played in London, so you know, it's not really being played in Jacksonville. They don't really have a home field advantage here. Uh, The line has moved to plus 2.5, so we are seeing some Broncos money come in. I guess that means we are expecting Russell Wilson to play. We've also seen massive money towards the under. I am not ready to bet the Broncos right now. I'm also not ready to bet against the Jaguars. I was on the Jaguars last week. They burned me against the Giants. But the truth is the Jaguars are playing really good football. It's just not showing up in the win column. Often gamblers will talk about how wins can be one of the most deceiving stats in NFL football, and I think that kind of applies to the Jaguars this season. They should have won more games, and their metrics that a lot of gamblers base their plays on shows that the Jags are a good team to back. They just keep fucking losing. So hard to figure that one out. I will have no bet I will be sleeping at 6.30 in the morning when that game kicks off in London town. Bears are a plus ten, plus 95 the Cowboys this game was a plus 10 when this week opened so we were seeing a little Bears money after their dominant Monday night football win against the Patriots the line now at minus 9.5 and no real movement in the total I honestly lean Dallas here I know Zeke is probably out it's going to be a Tony Pollard and Dak game so if Dallas can move the ball I expect this to be a big Dak Prescott Michael Gallup CeeDee Lamb Dalton Schultz Tony Pollard game I will probably be backing them in DFS in some capacity. Um, I think they're going to be throwing a lot, a lot this week. The Raiders are plus 1.5 at the Saints. No change in this line. I am on the Saints. That is one of my bets this week. The Saints at home, having just announced that Andy Dalton is their starter for the rest of the season. He has been playing above his normal expectation. The Saints actually can move the ball and their defense has been atrocious compared to what we expect from them. So let's hope the Saints defense kind of rights the ship and the Saints offense continues to move the ball. Well, I am on the Saints this week. That is one of my bets so far for Sunday. So I'm on the Bucks and the Saints so far this week. Panthers are a plus 6.5 at the Falcons is the opening line. Big Panthers money came in after their win against the Bucs. This line moved to four and a half, so we've missed the boat on getting the six and a half. We've missed the boat on getting the plus six for the Panthers, and therefore, you can't really bet this spot. You could you could play half a unit on the four and a half, half a unit on the money line, since we're seeing big, sharp action towards the underdog. In a game featuring P.J. Walker and Marcus Mariota, I'll be skipping this one, especially because I missed the key numbers. If I could still get a six and a six and a half, I would take the Panthers. So if your book, if you're betting at a small-time book that hasn't moved the number enough yet, take it. Otherwise, skip it. The Steelers open the week at plus 10 at Eagles. is now a plus 10.5. There's Eagles money coming in, but there's also a tiny bit of under money coming in. So because we have a 10.5 point spread and under money, there's kind of like juxtaposed positions here. You want to back a big favorite in a game trending towards the over or you want to back an underdog in a game trending towards the under. Here we have trends towards the under, but also trends towards backing the favorite. So if you want to play the eagle, if you want to play a side in this game, play the eagles. If you want to play the total in this game, play the under. But my advice to you guys would be do not do both, because even though they are both the right side, they don't have correlated value. So your chances of going one and one are probably pretty high, are probably higher than in most spots if you were to bet both the game and the total. If you want to play this game, I don't have any place on this game myself. It's Eagles or the under, not both. Dolphins, minus 3.5 at the Lions. We have a road favorite and a home dog. The Finns move to minus 3.5. Tua looks okay, and we are seeing the Gamblers come back in and back the Miami Dolphins. We know the Gamblers have really liked the Dolphins this season. We see over money coming in again, too. This might also be a reflection of Tua's health being okay and the fact that they think the Dolphins are really going to be able to move the ball. I lean Dolphins myself here. I might jump in on the minus three and a half. I might just play the money line since we've missed the key number of the three. I will tweet out on Sunday what I end up taking, if anything at all. But again, totals at 51 and a half and sharp towards the over. This is a clear spot, Dolphins, Lions, to play into for DFS. Tyreek, Waddle, Tua, those kind of guys are guys that you have to consider this week for DFS. Cardinals, plus 5.5. At the Vikings, it has moved to 3.5, showing massive Cardinals money coming in. Also, over money here. So, I'm not going to have a bet on the Cardinals versus Vikings game. I don't really have the best read on these teams myself. I think this is a spot to play into also for DFS. I think Kyler has to be an option this week. Patriots minus 1.5 at the Jets. Another road favorite home dog situation. And another one where I like the road favorite. It's not normal for me. But this week, I like the Patriots minus 1.5. It's a bet that I'm already on. It's moved to 2.5. So Patriots money. Coming in, and I expect you guys to get in on that. I would jump on the Patriots minus two and a half. It has not crossed a key number, so it's still a bet that I'm willing to take. I have the Patriots minus one and a half. Um this might be the week of the road favorite. Let's ride them. Finns and Patriots. Rams 49ers. Also, another road favorite. 49ers are minus 1.5 at the Rams. Massive 49ers money. They were a plus two or plus one point five. In the opening week, it has since moved three points to them being a minus 1.5. 49ers historically have the Rams number. Shanahan is like 8-2 or 8-3 against McVay all time. Uh, they Again, like they have their number. They own them, as Aaron Rodgers says, against the Bears. If you're going to play this game, I would play the 49ers. It's a no play for me since we've missed the huge line movement. And there's also been no real uh, movement in the total, so I don't have a play there either. And then just to quickly go through, there's really been no significant movement, and I have no bets in Bills Packers, Commanders Colts, Giants Seahawks, or Texans Titans, so I'm going to skip those. Again, Bills Packers, Commanders Colts, Giants Seahawks, and Texans versus Titans have all seen really no movement to give me no key indicators in the spread or the total, so I have no bets on either of those games. Again, because I haven't been paying crazy attention to them, I haven't seen the half-point movements here and there. It might have dropped half a point and then reached its equilibrium point again and went back up. I haven't known those things. So just looking at it this week, those four games, no significant movement and no bets in any of them. Let's do some DFS stuff. We will start with the quarterbacks. We are doing a full slate breakdown. We are doing... Value options and spend-ups. I will just go through position by position in order and just do all of it all at once. For quarterback, Jalen Hurts. uh, We have Mahomes and Josh Allen not in the slate this week. Mahomes on by. Josh Allen is the Sunday night football game. So the best option this week is Jalen Hurts going against Pittsburgh. But we know that game is sharp towards the under, so not the direction that I would go. Kyler Murray is the name I'm definitely looking at. 7,500 in the Dome in Minnesota. We know Minnesota has a great home field advantage. So let's say they get up early and they put Kyler in a throwing game script all game long. He recently has uh, Hopkins back. He looks a lot better. The offense put up over 40 points last game with Hopkins in his first game returning. Um, And we know James Conner likely out. So they're going to be missing their star running back and they're going to be returning their best receiver. Really like Kyler, 7,500. I think that's a definite, definite option for this week. Dak Prescott, another big option for this week. He's going against the Chicago Bears. Potential get-right spot for the Cowboys offense. Zeke is going to be out, so I expect Dak to throw the ball 40-plus times. We know from last season the Cowboys were the highest-scoring offense in the NFL. We know Dak Prescott had a historic number of yards last year. I would be looking for a performance like that out of Dak again, and at 6,600, that is crazy underpriced, if that's the case. Tua Tagovailoa, I hope I said that name right. 6,200 in a game where he is favored, and the point total is 51.5. Now, Tua is definitely going to be heavily played, going to be a bit chalk, he's going to be in the optimizers. However, I think you have to consider playing directly into it. Tua looks okay. He looks, you know, healed from his concussions, knock on wood. But he has this dream matchup this week. Dream matchup in a game in Detroit with a 51 and a half point total that's being sharped towards the over. Really like Tua. I think Kyler Murray and Tua are my favorite picks so far. Scrolling down. Daniel Jones, if he's still going to be running with this kind of rate and he's going against the Seahawks defense has to be considered uh Andy Dalton just because the uh the Vegas Raiders defense is so atrocious against the pass that Dalton is going to move the ball and he's going to move the ball well Justin Fields if he's still running the ball 10 plus times a game there's always chance for him to kind of like what do what he did against the Patriots last week which was run 14 times and have 87 rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground so like In addition to his, not best throwing prowess, but his throwing abilities and his abilities to pick up yards through the air, you also get that rushing floor. So Jalen Hurts, definitely a low value spend that you can consider. Let's move on to the running backs. McCaffrey in his new look, San Francisco. I'm not going to do it until we see him get 20 plus touches. Derrick Henry against the uh, Texans, absolutely would definitely consider this. 8,400 Texans are the worst defense against the run. Derrick Henry, super high volume. Love Derrick Henry this week. Definitely have to be considered. Saquon, I feel the same about. Another bad defense, and he should get loads of touches. No reason to not like Saquon this week. Those would be my two favorite spend ups. Josh Jacobs is now $7,500, and going against the Saints, I think this is when we pivot off of Josh Jacobs. I do think we have to consider DeAndre Swift, just under $7,000. He's probably underpriced. If he's going to get a full workload in a full PPR setting, I really like Swift. Kenneth Walker has been absolutely dominating. Ramondre Stevenson, absolutely dominating. Damian Pierce, absolutely dominating. Any of those guys in the low 6,000s have to be considered. And then, of course, Tony Pollard, if he's going to get the full complement of snaps, for the Dallas Cowboys because Zeke is actually out and we know he can catch the ball. Tony Pollard, definitely an option too. Eno Benjamin, if James Conner is out, Eno Benjamin, definitely an option. This is to the point now we're getting, we're like, there are so many running back injuries abound that you want to pick the spot where you're getting someone who might get 80% of snaps, but his price is someone who's only going to get 60% right we have tony pollard and zeke right next to each other 6200 6100 so if zeke is out then pollard becomes a guy probably worth 7200 7300 he's going to get an extra 30% volume and workload that is what we're looking for at this point in the season earlier in the season before the season even started i did a this is a basic structure of how i approach dfs and i talked about how the running back is about finding value and guys who are going to get full workloads because of injury situations. The other one I want to point out is the Carolina Panthers going against the Falcons this week. Foreman is 5,300. Chuba is 5,400. And I like Foreman. If Chuba is out, Foreman's a must play. We know Chuba hurt his ankle late last week. He missed most of the second half he was a dmp on practice on wednesday i haven't seen the practice report from thursday yet but if he's out foreman absolute must start yep sound good let's move on to wide receiver Cooper Cup has to be an option always every week. Justin Jefferson has to be an option always every week. Devontae Adams has to be an option always every week. But finally, we get to Tyreek Hill, 8,500 in a dream matchup. I think this would probably be my favorite spend-up. He's averaging like 100-and-something yards every week. He's been one of the best wide receivers in all of fantasy. Tyreek with two back against the Detroit Lions in a game With a point total of 51.5, I'll keep saying it, 51.5, the highest point total on the board. We have to consider backing Tyreek and stacking him with Tua. A.J. Brown, I would skip. Hopkins, uh, 7,400. I I go both ways. That might be too little because he's probably a guy who's definitely going to have eight or nine catches this week and like 80 yards, maybe a touchdown. In a game sharp towards the over where... Arizona is also the sharp team it's a really good situation for him in a dome if you're gonna play Kyler you could really play Hopkins I'm like talking to myself in a circle about this one because the price tag is throwing me off because he's already in the 7,000 group but I mean he's nuke he deserves it there's a reason uh If Amon Ross St. Brown is out, we have to look to other Lions value receivers. If DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are out, we have to look to other Seahawks wide receivers. We are going to come in with some value core options on Saturday based on final injury news. So I'm going to save some of the value wide receivers for the Saturday show. Like Wandale, Michael Gallup, Reynolds... If Noah Brown is out, we have to consider a guy like Gallup. So these are the things I'm going to keep an eye on for the rest of the week. And on Saturday's podcast, I'll do a heavy wide receiver value episode. I gave you guys the running backs with value. You guys know the other situations that might have some value. I didn't mention the Rams and Daryl Henderson. Of course, the... um, the Rams O-line is like the worst thing ever. I don't think you want to back a running back on the Rams going against the 49ers this week. But that's a similar situation where like there's no one else on the team and he's going to get really high volume considering, you know, the game script in the situation. So that's where we're looking at running back wide receivers. We're looking to spend up and stack guys like Tua and Tyreek, you know, potentially getting a... Justin Jefferson in this dome game, sharp towards the over, potentially going with a Kyler-DeAndre Hopkins stack. Um, I really like all of those options. I really like going high-priced wide receiver this week, value running back. We're going to have a slightly lower spend on quarterback because we're not going with Josh Allen. So definitely some room to make up for that with uh, high-priced wide receivers. For the tight end this week, uh, it's going to be another week of playing a value tight end. I think I'm starting to look at this list with like the Higby name, the Kyle... I'm not doing Kyle Pitts, but Pat Friermuth has got to be a name. Friermuth, if he's going against the Philadelphia Eagles, if we're going to expect the Eagles to be winning by double digits and Pittsburgh to have to throw the ball a lot, Friermuth's target ratio is just really high. So he's got to be an option. Irv Smith Jr. has a dream matchup. He's going to be... Probably a pretty chalk play based on the optimizers. He's going against the Cardinals in a dome. Cardinals are terrible against the tight end. I really do think Irv Smith, really good option this week. Definitely have to look at him. Uh, If Dalton Schultz plays with Zeke out, with Dak going to be throwing a lot, if you're going to play Dak, Schultz is a nice stack. If uh, Schultz is out, that guy Ferguson that the Cowboys love, uh, his backup, I think is definitely an option. That would be a great value option. I'm continuing to scroll down. No one else I really like. I will point out one on Saturday if I do. But I'm leaning Irv Smith here. I think Irv Smith might be my core tight end for this week. That seems very fitting based on the matchup and based on the price. I really like Irv Smith this week. So that wraps up the DFS talk. Again, For early look at core, we are looking at either Kyler Murray or Tua. We are looking at guys like Tony Pollard, DeAndre Swift, Derek Henry at running back. We are looking at clear spend ups at wide receiver like Tyreek, like Justin Jefferson. And at tight end, we are looking directly at Irv Smith. Hey, Irby. How you doing? Welcome to the squad. I'll talk to you on Saturday. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Again, remember, lower exposure week for myself because I haven't been paying as close of attention to the lines. However, still been paying enough attention where this should help us all, and hopefully let's have a positive week on the DFS space. Again, I will be back on Saturday, and as always, peace out. Thank you.